Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mental Health Hour, Episode 8. Hello, Gemma. How are you? Hey, not too bad. All right. Uh, we've got a great episode today. I'm pretty excited about this. Um, a good, I can call him a good friend now. A good friend of mine through that I've met on this platform has decided that he would er, grace us with his presence, uh, Mr. Bo Adams. Um, we're going to be discussing today the um, what it's like to parent um, with an addicted child. Uh, I I know in my uh, in my own journey or story, uh, I have put a, a load of stress and um, unnecessary, uh, probably shaved years off my my mother's life with my addiction. Um, for her just waiting for me to get help and want, you know, want, wanting me to get better. Um, how about you, Gemma? You, I know you have, uh, you have an, a story as well with Thomas. Yeah, I'm, because I take opiates, I'm prescribed fentanyl and morphine for my chronic pain. Um, I was originally told I couldn't get pregnant, but then when I did get pregnant they wouldn't let me stop because of the damage it could do to the pregnancy if not terminate the pregnancy uh which meant thomas was in fact born addicted to opiates and he had to be weaned off them he was a fighter and got off them but for those first few weeks especially first few hours seeing him withdrawing from them was horrifying just hours yeah. old shaking like yeah it is a it is a tough thing now i don't have um kids of my own that are even close to the age um that like bo's getting ready to talk about here uh but so i can't uh really relate as much on that front but i i can tell uh everybody you know what it was like on the other end of the spectrum um, now, especially that I've gotten cleaned up and I talk to my mom regularly again, which that was, that went by the wayside, um, when I was in my addicted, uh, brain and everything, I completely detached and, and didn't really, uh, you know, have much of a relationship with my mom. Um, uh, my dad passed away three or four years ago now, I think, yeah we're coming up on four years. So, um, in the beginning, yeah, he was involved as well, but he started declining on his own, um, with his health issues. But anyway, uh, that's a little bit of an intro. We're going to go ahead and bring Bo on here shortly. Um, we will mention that, uh, when, when and while Bo is telling his story, we'll have time for Q and a, um, we're not going to uh, make Bo stick around the whole hour if if he has some stuff to do, but uh, we'll have him up here hopefully 20, 30 minutes, and we'll head back and uh, review some comments if there are any um, uh, during the broadcast. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring Mr. Bo on the screen. Hello. And there he is. Bo, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? How are you, Gemma? Hey, not too bad. You. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank. Yep. Thank you for being here. So, uh, basically, just gave a little bit of an intro there. I'm sure you heard. And uh, if you'd like to go ahead and roll into your diatribe, <laughs> <laughs> feel okay. free. It's all yours. Well, my son is 28 years old as of last June, so it's not like it's um, something that hasn't happened before with his addiction. Um, it started basically about five, six years ago. Um, he was, to lack, lack of a better term, just being an asshole to everybody all the time. And it was so far out of his character that it was, I just, it was infuriating to the point where I called him out and, called, and told him he was being a rotten human being. And apparently this had some sort of effect on him because the next day he put himself into rehab which is a shock to everybody in his family, including me, because we didn't know he needed to go to rehab. 
but I, apparently he did at that time. So of course my family, I my family, my sister and my ex-wife just exploded with just like, well, you did this. I, I was like, how did I do this? He's the one that checked himself into rehab. So he spent 10 days in the rehab, which whatever, apparently got his life on track. And then Christmas Eve of last year, I got a phone call from my ex-wife and she never calls me. We never communicate. And so I knew immediately when I looked at my phone and it said her name, I was just like, oh no, something bad. When I got on the phone, she had told me that he had OD'd from fentanyl that night, and she had found him in the morning on his bed with his lips blue. Now, that was, that's just shocking. So luckily, she knew some CPR or CPR. She didn't know some. She knew the whole thing. I called the EMTs and kept the blood flowing, kept air going until they could get there with the Narcan, Narcan and bring him back around. So he immediately gets whisked off to the hospital, and he gets, a, um, he gets put under observation for seven days. Now, when I found out, my first reflex was I'm putting on my shoes and grabbing some underwear and I'm out the door. But mm. I had to rein myself in on that because that's probably the least, last thing he needs right now is me in his house with his, ex, with his mom when he gets home and causing more stress, I would assume. And I've got some good advice from people. You know, you have to wait until he comes and wants you to come see him. And I was like, okay. Now, what led up to this was I was totally blind again. So I just want to tell you, if you're a parent of an addict, you're going to be totally blind. I'm sure you know this, parents who, are, who have addicts. Um, he had not, the previous time before, he was outside his character. This time he was completely inside his character, but for, for like two years, he was nice, like super nice. But the caveat being that he was super nice because he needed money. Mm. Now he would come up with stuff for um, like his car or he needed to make a trip and all this other stuff. And of course he'd always say, I'll pay you back, but I'm not, I'm not that, that parent. I was like, okay, here, this is a Christmas gift or whatever. So that should have been including me, but he, had, he was smart enough and he is smart to figure out, well, if I acted that way and everybody found out, I'm gonna act this way and nobody will find out. And if it wasn't for him taking the fentanyl, which was, or the fentanyl laced pills, which he had found from a dude on a website, um, we still wouldn't have known. He'd still be doing it. So it's good and bad. I mean, he almost died, which is bad, but he's in rehab or went into rehab. Actually, he's still in treatment. He's still going to his meetings. So on that, this two months, like a month later, two months later, he was like, already fine for me to come down. And we visited him for him for like a week down in Phoenix where he lives. And uh, it, was a, it was a difficult time for a little bit because I was walking on eggshells. And I'm not, I know nobody out there knows me too well, but I'm not the type of person that walks on eggshells and I don't know how to do it. I basically, you know, I'll run into, I'll run into the fire. Like you, I'll run into the fire up, just charge headlong. That's, you know, all the bumps on my head prove that. So I didn't know what to do when I was around him. And he wasn't, he was acting like the old surly one. And then he just kind of come around and then not come around. And it was just, I know it was difficult for him. He's the one going through everything, but as a parent, I know how to be a parent. I just don't know how to be a parent to an addict. Right. So that it's, it's just it's touch and go. It's touchy feely. It's this goes wrong. And apparently, I did something wrong when I was down there, because then he decided that I'm never getting his address. And I was just like, okay, why won't I get your address? Well, I don't want you showing up on my doorstep. I'm like, why would I show up on your doorstep? And he didn't say nothing. So that that turned into two months of not talking. And so we're still right. We're still in this process. It's not even been a year yet. Um, I don't know how to, you know, besides, you know, the thing I've learned and it's not, I'm still learning is, you know, I got to be hands off and let him figure it out. It's his own life. I'm, I'm the audience member watching his stage play. And it's very, very hard. And it's hard for parents in general to watch their kids go through this. So right, there's right. no, there's no good answer. And I know addicts, I don't know. I'm sorry. Addicts have, are, everyone's different and everyone handles their shit different. See, I told you I'd swear. So, <laughs> that's that's the hardest part about for me being a parent because i i'm just the type that'll charge head on and fix it i'm a fixer but you can't fix addiction because so, there's no cure that's a really good point uh there there's the, what they call the the three c's of uh, uh parents um with addicted children it's i did not cause this i cannot control this and i can't make them change um and I mean, learning that is probably, I guess, step 
one as a parent. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, that's the hardest step. It's the hardest step for most parents because when they're kids, when they're babies, of course, you know, you got to take care of everything. Then when they start to grow and or grow, when they start to grow, walk and talk, you're still their protector. And then, you know, come to teenage years, and I don't know how many people out there had teenagers, but yeah, it's a whole new obstacle. But then you get through that into their 20s, like he graduated college, then he got a master's in education, then he got a job, and then he's doing all this good stuff. Next thing you know, he ODs on fentanyl on Christmas Eve day. How do you process that? Right. And I know it's all about him, but I need to process that for myself. And I'm having, that's the hard part. You know, you got to let them do it, but then you, you've seen them fail before. So you don't want to watch them fail again. It's like, exactly. it's like a, it's like a blade runner. You're just on the edge of the knife the whole time. And, uh, everybody, uh, or as we were talking earlier, I'm sorry. Uh, you, before the broadcast, you, you were saying how, yeah, uh, 10 days, right, in the first time of, re of rehab, and now he's um, moving well, he forward. Has, right, he has his, he spent a week, I guess something in Arizona, the Maricopa County triggers a, a week under observation for an OD. And, of course, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my first thought was, oh, he, got, he just got some bad pills. But, you know, they did the blood tests, and he was just rampant with everything and fentanyl. He just had everything in his system. So it, they knew it was a lot more than just, oh, okay, he mistakenly took two fentanyl laced pills he's just he's just been drug seeking repeatedly for for i got it has to be years if it's in if it's that high in the system even though he hadn't had any or he had a stomach pumped or whatever else but it was in his system so they he sat there for a week in maricopa county hospital phoenix hospital i don't know which one um and like i said i didn't go down and then when he got out he went straight to uh na meetings because it's it's not it's it's not narcotics anonymous and he's been doing those but somehow in that, that relationship, I have, I have become the problem with, sure. with this therapy. And I'm, that's the part that's, that's, that I have to just go, okay, well, let's pull back. If he says you're the problem, he probably is or probably isn't. He's just making up. He's trying to figure himself out. But if I fight back, it's gonna, I'm going to be the problem. So that's the hardest part. It's, it's just Absolutely. sitting on my hands. And I can't tell you how many, personally, how many times I've uh, tried to place all the blame on everybody else. Um, before I really started owning this. Um, so uh, you'll you let us uh, post a picture here for you. What's going on in this picture? You wanna... He's graduating um, college. He's a, he's a giant of a man. Uh, that picture, <laughs> I'm six foot, 230 pounds. And look at his hand on my shoulder. He is a monster. He's huge. <laughs> so that, that's what I've kept in shape because, you know, just in case he wants to brawl someday, I got to stay in shape. Look at him. But seriously, you were, he's, he's a kitten. You were uh, you were mentioning to me as well that this is a proud moment for you. I was. It was. It was. Was it after? No, it was before his first time in rehab, and he was just a happy kid. He, I think, was he twenty one right there, maybe twenty, and uh, oh, twenty one, and uh, everything was great. And then, like a year later, he's getting he's he's doing that stuff, and he's into re no, yeah, he's he's in his, he checks himself into rehab, and I was like, where did that come from? Man. So you're always going to be blindsided, in my opinion. You're not going to be able to, to I mean, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but addicts will find a way to, to trick you. They will, they're, it's not, they're not stupid. They're smart. And especially my kid, who has a master's in education and a teaching job, figured out how to play me. And I'm not mad at that. It's just I wish I had seen it instead of me just being happy that he's, you know, out there talking to me and he's being a productive citizen when I should have. I should have, but I didn't see the signs all right we'll do a quick check on the comments here uh we got knowledge saying hi but everybody's yelling bow of course so, yeah um lucia's in here saying hello knowledge says i've been to na back in my 20s for some crazy stuff um yeah so i mean lots of lots of people have been down this road and um unfortunately like you were saying as a parent you have to sit back and watch and that's probably one of the hardest things Mm. Uh, that you can, that you can mentally put yourself into the state of. Uh, I, Gemma, I don't what know do you how, think? Well, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'm yeah, like just from the little bit that I am aware, like with what you say, if if you try and like say something to him with with how he is, like certainly with how I know it makes me feel and i prescribed it so i'm on a prescribed dose and like 
when I've withdrawn from it and things, it really messes with your head. And if you try and speak to him, he, they say that you hurt the ones you love, and it is very true. Um, and in his mind at the moment, I guess he's not going to be, he's looking for somebody to blame. And unfortunately, that is you. And I, I hope well, like he comes as, as, a, as a father to, to, to two young men. My, my youngest is 17. My oldest is 28. Yes, I took a 10 year gap in between because I'm not very bright. But <laughs> further on, um, boys and their fathers, when it's the teenage years, I mean, it, you'll see that even though you're the mom, even though he loves you, you're the mom, you're going to see it in his teenage years. They just get everything. You, if you say blue, they say white or black. You say the white. If you say the sky is blue, they're going to say it's a, it's a form of Azure. They're just not going to listen. So as Absolutely. you know, he's been that way for his, for his whole life, of course, with me. And if I say, Hey, here's, you know, this is what you should do to do this. And he'd be, he'll do the exact opposite. And now that we're in this frame of mind of, of, of getting through addiction and I am, I am not, I can't, you know, I feel like I can't say anything, even though I'm just trying to be friendly. Like for, for three months straight, I just sent him good morning. I love you text just so he knows I'm there. And yeah. then, he, you know, mm -hmm. he comes across with, with me blaming me for some of his problems. And I'm just like, what? So that I have to get over that. I have to figure out he's not blaming me for his problem. He's looking for someone to blame for his problems. And I have to accept that. Yeah. But that is hard. Yeah, I definitely, uh, can relate with that, um, especially when before, like I said, before I was in that state of owning this and okay, I need help. I can't do this myself. When we're, when when I, when I was still in the uh, phase where I thought every I had a handle on everything and everything was okay, um, then it was everybody else's fault because, I mean, I'm still doing good. What what's wrong with y'all? Um, and also, I definitely can relate to what you were saying about the uh, manipulation of it. Uh, an addict, if nothing else, is a really good uh, mastermind of manipulation. Um, and, and how we uh, can, can get money from people or uh, just get that drug that we need or whatever makes us feel good and then um, ask questions later or deal with the repercussions. That's a real thing and uh, uh, I'm quite guilty of it myself. So, um, you, for example, stated that you were giving him some money, um, and all the while, you know, didn't think that, of course, you didn't think that it was going towards anything, um, harmful, well, correct? No, well, you know, me and, me and his ex, me and my ex-wife separated early, but I've always been with my son. I've always had communication with him. I was visiting him, so we're, we're still tight. But, you know, in the, into his high school years and into college years, you know, when he's tight, so I've always, you know, I'm the money, I'm the money man. You know, I'm like, here you go. Here you go. Even if I don't have it, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> so it made me feel good for the past two years when he said, Hey, can I get this from you for that? And I'm thinking, all right, okay. I'm, I'm being the dad again. And it was him just probably trying or probably it was him trying to find money above what he already had to get what he needed. So mm -hmm. I, I, I basically enabled him for almost two years because I was just throwing, you know, here you go. Oh, don't pay me back. Don't worry about it. I got you. You know, and me thinking I was being a good dad and it kills me was enabling him. Sure. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, that is the case, you know, like it, it, it does come down to an enabling, um, quote unquote, enabling uh, thing here that, yeah, now you get the chance to finally feel like uh, he wants you around. Um, and sh sure enough, you're providing as you're supposed to, of course. Um, but Really, it's just that manipulation, um, and and then once he gets what he wants, did you notice if he uh, disappeared off the face of the earth again, or or what have you? In the beginning, yeah, it was it was in the beginning. It was like, okay, my friends are going on a uh, a trip, and I'm just like, all right, what do you need? And he tells me how much. I'm like, you know what? Here's your Christmas present, and uh, then nothing for a couple. Of, then eventually, it started getting to be every month, and it kept getting. I don't want to say well, it has to be excuses. It's excuses for what he was doing. It was his car. It was his insurance. It was his registration i'm like all right you know what you're teaching in maricopa county you're making a decent living where's your money and in my head I, I i just said oh you know what i was 28 i was bad with money i'll just help him out i didn't put two and two together like okay if you're making 45 50 grand a year you shouldn't need to borrow 100 bucks from me but as a dad my first instinct is here's 100 dollars, and i was i didn't see it and i just want all the parents out there that, that have children that are, are addicts 
I feel for them because they don't see it either. You just you, there's a blind eye to your or blind there's um blinders to your to um your children. And yeah. at the you know now we get to this part, it's like oh shoot, I can't put the blinders back on, but I can't do anything either. Do you think that if you hadn't have given him it, he would have gone and got it somewhere else anyway? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. He would. Have, he, he well, his mom was tired of get hit, him hitting her up, <laughs> so mm. he came to me, and I'm just like, okay, here you go, here you go. I mean, two years I was here you go, here you go. And uh, well, like I said at the beginning, it was as random. At at the end, towards before he, right, you know, right before he OD'd, like from like July to Christmas, it was. Every day, or not every day, every month, he had another thing. He needed a hundred dollars. One time, it was like twenty dollars. I'm like, "What the fuck? Do you need twenty dollars? Why don't you have twenty dollars?" But I gave it to him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that must have been hard. I mean, I had. Um, it was a, a friend who I. What it was not the same sort of thing, but they ended up because they couldn't get the money, they actually turned to stealing and things like that. So, I guess when they're in that frame of mind, if they want the money and they need to get what they need to get, they will get it one way or another. At the end, he was doing hookups on, on Grinder. My son is gay, he was doing hookups on Grinder with people who had pills. That's it. So, yeah. if you had a pill on Grinder, he was ready to hook up with you, and that. Is that just blew my mind that he went to that side, that dark side. I don't know what you call it, but he went, his mind worked that way where he figured, okay, well, I'm out of money and dad's not, you know, I've spent my dad's money. I'm just going to go on Grinder, go on a date and have him give me pills. I'm just like, what? How, how, the drug seeking mentality is this, is foreign to me. Yeah. I think Tim's. Volume. Tim, your volume's low. We don't, we don't need to listen to Tim. He's got nothing to say. <laughs> I can't hear you. Is it up? Oops. Turn your volume up. I'm going to knock it up. Try that. You know what? Oh, uh, he's gone. Bye-bye. So how are you? Be careful what I say, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> um... Oh, like, oh, he's back. Are you back? Is your volume back? No. Oh, what's happening? I on? have broken haps. Oh, honestly, this week, the uh, like, everything I've tried to do on haps is just like, uh. So let me, let me just get to the, 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 the end part here because we, we were, we've been dancing around. Today is... July 21st or 20th? I don't know. It's it's Wednesday. That I know. Yeah. Uh, which I typically don't. Um, and 20. we're still we're just now starting to communicate again after the whole February, March, April stuff. So it's a start. But my my instincts are always, well, is he being nice to me for reasons I don't want him to be nice to me, or is he just coming through it and I can't like I said, I'm the audience member and watching his stage play. I can't, I can't stand up and shout. I can't do any of that stuff. I got to watch. And I'll always be here, but I don't want him to fail, even though the odds of failing are pretty high. Yeah. Test. Oh, you're back. Jesus. Jesus, nice. Tim, turn your mic down. <laughs> Scary. Uh, face, all right. Yeah, the, the I apologize for that. Uh, wouldn't be fun without a little technical difficulties. Oh, uh, what did I miss? I heard you get. I just, I just, oh, I just wrapped up. Uh, where are we at now? In, in me and my son. Um, after the February March blowout, you know, he's start, he starting to communicate with me again. And now my first reaction, because I'm human, is is he communicating with me again to be nice? It's because he needs something, wants something. He's go, he's falling back into it, or is he just coming through it? So that's it will like be a, that it's the Blade Runner thing. You're, I'm walking the nice yeah. edge. I don't want him to go left. I want him to go right, but I can't push him left or I can't push him right without hurting myself in his eyes. So it's, it's very frustrating. So I guess, I mean, the ultimate question for you, uh, from, from this show's perspective is, is how do you, how does it affect your day to day, your mental health? How are you as, as Bo? I have been through a lot in my life and this is something very major. This is my son. So it's ranks up there, you know, as, as a major, major thing, but I plow ahead and get through the day. I use humor a lot, as you can tell. I swear a lot. Um, 
but I know if I just, there's no giving up. So I don't know how to give up. Um, it's just knowing what to do. And, and I'm happy, like I said, it hasn't even been a year yet. And I got to figure out how to do this right. So that's the, that's the part I'm at. I'm figuring out where I am and what I have to do and how to do it right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up, obviously. He probably won't. If I say something or do something, he's not going to talk to me for another three months. But I just want him to be okay. I want him to stay on the program or go to the program. Man, I don't want him to find a reason to go back. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I know being on here probably helps. I know it helps me a lot, especially I've talked about it before. This whole platform has been great and the, the connections we've made. Um, I, I would have never have come across Gemma or Bo or Veda or Lucia, Knowledge, Desiree, all of you, uh, Di. It's been it's been an amazing thing to be able to just hop on here whenever I guess you, you would say you're not feeling uh, you know up to par. Um, would you say, Bo, that that you know the Haps platform in itself is definitely a great coping skill for you here? Uh, sure. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, no, I, I mean I'm. Interacting with people because um, generally I don't like a lot of people and I'm not being rude. I'm not being one of those guys, but there are, there's not a lot of people I enjoy. So when I find somebody on HAPS, I'm, I'm going to be super loyal. You know, I'm going to be that person that's going to be on there all the time watching. And I like you and I like Gemma and I like Veda and I like Lucia and I like knowledge. And I can't read the rest of it on there because I don't have my glasses, but I love you all. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it definitely helps. And, and I got my, my core friends that I've had since high school and I, uh, they're just good guys. They, they know my history. They, they know what I've been able to do in life. And I know what they've been able to do in life. And we're just friends, regardless of what's going on. So that helps. Um, being, on, being on a social media platform with cool people helps. Uh, I've gone on another platform and talked like this before with Periscope with, uh, with my friend Kurt. That helps. So, yeah, talking helps. I mean, even if you're talking just to you, me, and, and Gemma, it's a, it's a good thing to, to get that out there because um, – I think, and I could be wrong because I'm not a big mental health guy. I don't know a lot about mental health, but keeping it in is probably the poison that uh, drives you back to bad mm. habits. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I can vouch for that. I have tons of bad habits, and I'm not quitting any of them. <laughs> I, I know we've talked about that. You know, there's plenty of bad habits out there, but at least um, we're trying to correct the ones that are actively killing us, right? Yeah, pick, pick better bad habits. <laughs> well, Bo, uh, it's, I appreciate you coming on here and sharing that with us, and we're no definitely problem. gonna we're definitely gonna talk a lot more um, to uh, or on this topic. Uh, there's plenty of avenues we could go down, especially with uh, parenting as a whole. Um, do you have any uh, final thoughts or anything? Uh, no, else? I, think, I, I, I came on here because I, uh, I think it's very important, and I want this uh, broadcast to be. Uh, important because main, mental health. Okay, listen, I'll be honest. You know, ten years ago, mental health. Well, I just step it up, put your helmet back on, get back in the game. Well, now that I have a son, or have a son, I, my son is, is is going through the issues, and I, and it's not that easy. And then you know, he he's got all the the breaks in his life going for him, and yet he's still having this issue. There's nothing better than there's nothing healthier than the mental health. So nothing more important than your mental health. I mean, it's just it's very important. That's why I wanted to come on. I let everybody know that even as carefree and, and funny and goofy as I am, there's there's shit going on in my life too. So everybody just know that shit goes sideways. Hunker down, get your shit together. Button up that helmet, but you know, <laughs> but get, get through it. You know, do your best to get through it. Talk with people. Talking is is the best thing on the planet. I mean, that's why they have NA meetings. That's why they have AA meetings. That's why you don't you know you go to an AA meeting, you don't even have to talk. You can sit there and listen to other people's experiences and it might relate to your experience. So that's a great thing. So I just want people to be yeah. aware that mental health is not a stigma or actually it is a stigma, I guess still, but it shouldn't be and get out there and talk to people, find, find your mojo with other people or, or find someone to talk to and uh, you know, just try your best. That's all you can do. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Bo. This uh, DSA was brought to you by uh, cigars and uh, caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> 
We're going to, Gemma and I will go ahead and break this down now, and we're going to let you retire back to your comment section where I know you're most comfortable. But thank Dude, you so much for anything. coming on. I can't see nothing. There's one that I want to read to you. It's from Christopher Michael. He says, Bo doesn't have his glasses on. Please tell him he's one tough guy. Yeah. So much support and love for you in the comments, honestly. Oh, and thank you, my Chris. Thank you, well. guys. Honestly, if you ever need anything or need to talk, like just message me. But you really are one strong person. And just listening to that, like it sounds to, like to me that you've done absolutely everything you can as a person and as a human being, as a father. And the fact that you're letting your son know that you're there, that's, I guess, that's all you can do. But thank so you. much yeah. love and respect to you, honestly, Bo. Thank you. All right, guys. All right. If you have any questions or anything for Bo, I'm sure he'll be in the comments section now that he can get his glasses. I'm going, I'm going to lunch. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Thank you, Bo. We'll see Bye. you. Thank you. Thank you both. Bye, Gemma. Bye. Bye. Thank you. So, oh. Miss Gemma. Uh, so let's break this down a little bit um, as far as parenting um, and everything that goes along with it. Uh, you're a parent of Thomas. Uh, you have you had mentioned uh, that he came out with an addiction as well, uh, or came out, but was born. Yeah. Uh, would you like to uh, share anything along what you've been or what you had to go through there and then maybe we can get into some uh mm -hmm. some helpful um yeah yeah um so i was always told i couldn't get pregnant like categorically i could not get pregnant they wouldn't give me birth control they said it would never ever happen um obviously i did you know i have a son um prior to him i miscarried it was very early on, but still very upsetting. And then when I found out that I was pregnant, they I was on um, fentanyl and morphine and lots of other stuff. I stopped everything that I could medication-wise. However, they wouldn't let me stop the, the morphine and the fentanyl because they said it would cause too much damage to like my unborn child if not completely end the pregnancy they said that i would have to stay on it um it would cause too much to like him and to me i mean i was willing to go with it and i like whatever comes my way i'll take it i was more concerned about the fact that i had a baby inside of me mm -hmm. but they said no you stop that and it will end the pregnancy yeah it's kind but, of a, a damning mm -hmm. situation I had to continue knowing every day that I was taking that. It was going inside of him. They said it was minimal. Um, who was I to question what the doctors were saying? I, I didn't know. But yeah, when he was born, um, like he was, he was also high risk for Down syndrome, but that wasn't anything to do with the fentanyl or anything. I was offered um, tests and things I refused because I was a high-risk pregnancy anyway. At the end of the day, whatever he was when he was born, he was my son above and beyond anything else. He is what he is. Um, sure. But when he was born, I was encouraged to breastfeed for a little while, which was very difficult, but that way he was still getting the the opiates from the breast milk into him and it was helping him reduce slowly yeah. but like when I had to stop doing that because I, 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 I had issues I couldn't produce um, it was only one side there was a lot of problems and they said that he would have to hopefully just fight his way through it but they were on standby to give him very low level opiates to withdraw him slowly. There was actually another mum in there that was the same sort of, they were, they were in there for the same reason. And their child was actually having to have opiates given um, multiple times a day. However, Thomas wasn't. I remember holding him for 
one of the first times and I he was in my arms and then he just started like he was going like that shaking and his eyes were rolling um I panicked I thought he's having a seizure or something and they said no no it's fine it's just the withdrawals and I think that's when it really hit me and I'm like I've done this to my child even though I had absolutely no choice at all in the matter of being able to stop it I'm like how like I couldn't live with myself thinking of it and I nearly let it destroy me right because you said that if mm. if you had stopped cold uh you know with the pain medication that you were prescribed it mm. would have terminated the pregnancy yeah like they said it's, it's, that's that's a definitely that's a tough situation to be in I'm glad that um everything has panned out though um yeah He's living his best life, isn't he? Um, he was clear within, I think, just over a week. He was completely clear. And nice. uh, he fought his way through it. Uh, he did have other problems, which they said most likely wasn't related to the opiates. But, hmm. um, yeah, it yeah. was hard. So, I mean, and going in with what we were talking with Bo about, um, I told you earlier in the uh, broadcast, uh, the only thing I can really relate here is from my end, when I was, um, when I was actively in addiction with, with the alcohol and what have you, uh, I, could, I, I couldn't see it at the time. Um, so, I mean, like with Bo's son, I'm sure, you know, or with anybody's, child they're not um they're not very cognizant of what they're doing in their active state of addiction uh i i completely detached myself from my whole family uh, my mom would beg uh to see me uh, come over a visit um this that and the other i always had an excuse or, or some kind of reason that i couldn't make it uh and, and you know i would I would do the same thing. I would only call when I maybe needed something uh, very selfish. Uh, and, and of course, during all that and throughout all that, um, I thought I was acting completely normal. I thought I didn't think I was doing anything wrong or hurting her or, or, or our relationship, but we talk about it now today after the fact. And um, now that I'm in recovery, I can't believe that I didn't see it so clearly um, mm. how much I was hurting her and how much she had to go through, how much unnecessary stress I put her through as a mother, uh, you know, you, you, you feed, you clothe, you bathe uh, and you bring these beautiful children up. And then I, I basically just shut her completely out of my life and thinking all the while that, you know, I was, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, it's very, uh, heartbreaking to me now, now that I am in, uh, recovery and I can look back at the times of throughout the past 10 years of all the wrongs that I've, uh, kind of, uh, accrued over those time over that time. And, uh, I tell you what, it's, it's very eye opening. Um, it's very humbling and that's one of the main reasons I believe in the, in the Alcoholics Anonymous program, we do the, the step eight and step nine of making amends. Well, mm -hmm. best believe my mom was right up there uh, at the top of the list for my amend making. Yeah. yeah. And it's so hard, you know, for, I, and talking with my mom, she's like, I can't, you know, I wanted to over and over again, kind of, somehow control the situation and and get you on the right path but it just can't be done it's mm -hmm. one of those things where the person that's in active addiction uh needs to come to that term themselves and needs to fix it themselves i've said it on here before uh especially with uh going to aa the first time around i was doing it for everybody except me you know and the it was just doomed from the get-go. Yeah. So, um, so going back to those three C's, 
uh, that I mentioned while Bo was on. The, I did not cause this. I cannot control this, and I can't make them change. That's, I mean, the long and short of it. If if we're looking at it from the the parents' uh, standpoint, uh, my my more concern is what we can do uh, moving forward to maybe uh, raise some kind of knowledge on the subject uh maybe there we can find some articles and post on on i'll post them on my site or my channel um i know there's al-anon out there not a lot of people talk about al-anon uh, but that's specifically for the family members of people in alcoholics anonymous or, or narcotics anonymous they have their own platform to go to have you do you guys have something over there yeah, I believe so. Um, I, I'm not sure what there is out there for the family members. I, I have heard there is something, but certainly the um, Alcoholics Anonymous and everything else, we, we have that. Um, and then they had mentioned to me if I am able to come off the opiates for my pain relief, that I would have to go through a full detox program now because I've been on them that long that I am addicted to them. Right, and you were telling me uh, earlier in the week how angry you are that they prescribed these to you. Yeah, yeah, I've been on them. Like, what, I'm 37 now? I have been on them for over 12 years, like, if not more. Morphine was given to me first. I'd say that's actually about 14 years ago. And then fentanyl, a good five, no, Thomas is seven. So yeah, a good eight, eight, nine years now, fentanyl. And then morphine longer. And it's like thinking back, I'm like, yeah, okay, I was in pain, but why give me that? And I have a lot of what I have with me medically Hey, Graham. Uh, a lot of what I have medically is classed as invisible illness. And I think certainly here, their response to that is to try and shut it down and give you something thinking, oh, they're, ask they're after pain relief and just try and shut them up, make them go away, whatever. Certainly was back then. And mm -hmm. they admitted it when they changed my patch type because I was on, I was on Butrans before. And I, I, it got where I was absolutely, my back was covered in patches because there was that many and they, they didn't go up to that many. So I had to have patches all over and they made the switch from butrans to fentanyl because they could lower the dose of fentanyl because it was a higher end drug. Mm. And that's why I wasn't taking as many, but it is literally just getting that. I'm on net two patches now it's going up again and again and it's like well when is it going to end because like in 10 years from now what am i going to be on for my pain right. it doesn't mean me that the first thing they do now is just thrust medication at you not thinking of the long-term effects of it and the addiction that it causes yes certainly and uh it, it's definitely not um just for adults, uh, I'm yeah. trying to think of, you know, uh, the, I, I believe here in the United States, they're, they're getting a little bit better with it, but most times, you know, and, and from what I've been talking or, and from folks that I've talked to, and I know my own experiences, like I have a very good relationship with my doctor. I've mm -hmm. known him since I was born. Uh, he did, he actually did the rounds on me as an infant. Um, so I've known him my whole life and I'm almost positive he would probably give me anything I asked him for with yeah. within reason, you know, there had to be, he's not just going to prescribe anything, but uh, yeah. unfortunately that's the case among, you know, across the world. And it's easy. It can be easy to get your hands on certain things and people are getting addicted at a young age. And then that's just opening the floodgates for, uh, you know, a bad couple of years down the road or life, you know, lifetime. Um, and it's really, it's, that's a shame that it has to be that way, but 
at the same time, um, parents, you know, they can, what are they supposed to do? Uh, parents are, are sitting back. I mean, you heard Bo say it, uh, I want to solve it, but I can't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as a parent, I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody wants to do everything they can in their power to make their kid's life better and to if they see them actively struggling mm. what can i do to remedy this situation and it just with with the addiction world there's nothing you can do you have to sit back and and let them run the show they need to uh, be the ones that come to grips with the issue they need yeah. to be the ones that make the change um there's article after article out there that I've been reading um, on this subject, uh, you know, specifically stating uh, how parents want it. It's almost second nature to, you know, try and know your teen's whereabouts uh, mm-hmm. and who they're hanging out with, uh, you know, what they're doing in all of their free, tri- uh, free time. Um, placing hidden cameras around the, these days are, are popular and the ring doorbell cameras and all that it's become a world of let's uh you know nanny cam and keep an eye on things <clears throat> um you know well, that's how i found out i was being drugged because of the cameras right right relationship that's how i found out i was being drugged so it, it that's a, a a very easy uh thing to grab a hold of or, or to to get your hands on it for your own home um, or your child's car if they're going out and you want to know where they're going gps trackers this that and the other what the point is is that you can do all this stuff and you know you can what gather all this private eye evidence um and then you you talk to them if they're already actively in addiction i mean it's we're at a point where it's too late am i correct yeah like hey jim once you've started then yeah like unless you catch them i guess right at the start and how about about the folks that think um they can you know forcibly take their loved one their child or whoever down to a rehab center you Mm. know kind of push them in the door lock the door behind them and and kind of you're doing this no matter what uh that's that's also not doing anything because as we said if they're not there for them it's a uh it's they a have to want to do it. i saw a film actually that was about addiction and it was where the parents had locked them in their bedroom and would not let them out at all and it got that bad i'm gonna try and think of the name of the film now i'll send you it it got that bad where the child had broken out of their room and they ended up boarding up the windows and everything. It was based on a true story. And it was heartbreaking to watch, but very eye-opening as well, to the lengths that people will go to to get them. And in the end, they had the mother fetching them the drugs and the mother thought that they could control it by reducing it. And it, oh, it was... I, I wish I could remember the name of it. Oh, that's all right. But, wow. but, but yeah, it, everything like that. But even down to Thomas now, because of his cancer, he's on opiates already. At the age of five, they give him dihydrocodone. And, like, I won't give him that. And when they suggested giving him it as a precaution for pain relief, I'm, I said, hell no over my dead body i'm putting that into him he doesn't need it because the way i am there's no way at five years old i'm gonna pump him full of codeine yeah Mm -mm. unfortunately uh that i mean the whole thing is all about you know well a lot of it today the prescription drug world has gotten a little out of hand Um, and it makes it, you know, even if like the parents are the ones that are maybe on a prescribed pain medicine, 
well, it doesn't take long for children to, you know, or children, teenagers in the high school mm. realm to hear about oxys and this, that, and the other, and, you know, snooping mm. around, finding pills and what have you in, in your own house. Um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a shame. Um, I know my mom, she felt like because there's the gene, you know, the, the alcoholism gene in our family, uh, mm. that runs on both sides of my family. Um, mm. she felt like, cause there's three, there's, I have three sisters. So there's four of us in total and three of us are in the Alcoholics Anonymous program. Um, mm. she felt a great deal of guilt, um, that she had caused this and, you know, it took a, it took a while, but, uh, coming around to the the knowledge that she was not the cause of this you know she did not um mm. she didn't put us in in any kind of position we had a great life you know growing up it wasn't um it, always in our face that uh alcohol and what have you it's just a genetic thing mm. and i like any any child or any teenager or anything you go out with your friends one time, you know, later, later in your high school uh, tenure and start drinking and it just, it, it's going to grab a hold of whoever mm -hmm. it can. And I mean, I was, I was a sitting duck for it. Um, uh, but unfortunately for my mom, you know, she went through the whole, gamut of oh this i what did i what have i done mm -hmm. and that i mean that's just no way that her mental health for the last five years of my active addiction was in shambles and i mm -hmm. was the cause of that like i was and i and i mentioned to you that i felt like i was doing nothing wrong i felt like everything was on the straight and narrow mm -hmm. um, but that was just my sick brain um justifying everything to yeah. make sure that that buzz was achieved you know what i mean yeah it's like thinking back to like i know mine was like the overdosing and stuff at the age of 11 when i took my first overdose i was able to readily get hold of what i needed and even down to the alcohol as well that i took in because i my first overdose I washed it down with alcohol and was able to get hold of pills, no problem. I had no issues with getting hold of anything. And it, like, there was a few times where I'd done it and nobody actually found out. Like, thankfully I'd not, um, thank you Jim. Thankfully I'd not succeeded despite the numerous attempts to take my own life. But I had no issues in getting hold of any of it. And my mom's response when she found out that I'd done some of the overdosing, um, I know one of the occasions she made me drink pints and pints of salt water to make me sick. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, I, I had a very different, I guess, childhood where I did feel like I was to blame for it, which is why I was doing that. And I was always told not to tell anybody about it, which is why I think mine escalated because I was always told that if I tell anybody that it will break the family up and stuff. But then my dad was physically abusive quite a lot. And right. I was told that I wasn't allowed to tell that. So I, I figured that this was my escape, um, having failed with the, the cutting and stuff. And the fact that when I failed, it was visible and people could see it and people would ask. I turned to doing it with pills um, in the hope that it would be quicker. And if I failed, then there would be nothing to see. Not mm. realizing the damage it was doing internally at the same time. And it was many, many years until I actually did realize what damage it was doing inside. And because of some of that, 
some of those medications that I did overdose on now are like they say if you take something too much you become like where it doesn't work anymore it's ineffective to you and I think yeah. well is that some of the reason why I'm not able to take certain things I, I don't know but uh, it certainly has messed up my body and then mm -hmm. the fact that I'm on fentanyl now the a lot of the things that is happening to my body and some of the reason why I need surgery is because of the fentanyl directly and like, yeah, yeah. The, the fentanyl epidemic uh, that has swept our nation my nation uh, is well it's, it, it's getting a little bit better but it, it, at the same time I mean it, it, 2018 I believe was the, the worst year for it I mean, we were just, we, we were going out, I'd say in a 24-hour shift, I was giving Narcan probably at least five times in 24 hours to, to five different folks. Um, we went through a bad wave, and it was it was all because of the, the stuff being laced with this fentanyl. Um, so, uh, but we are coming up on the end of the hour top of the hour and lucia and veda i believe are getting ready to go live so we'll kick it over towards them um but uh as always um want to tell all the viewers uh and replay viewers to please reach out if you need us uh, Gemma and i are both open at the end here we'll put up our end screen again and all of our information is there along with um, crisis lines. We're going to be constantly updating that. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the new things I'm going to start doing, uh, I started last week, I put an article on Twitter about cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what we discussed last week. Um, I'll be trying to post uh, some links for the parents out there that want some more information want, on uh, on all of this, uh, I, I found a couple of good articles that I'll be happy to post on Twitter. Um, and I'll, I'll just put them across my socials. Um, and, uh, we can share them out, retweet all that good stuff. Gemma, did you have anything to add, uh, with the, with the crisis plans or anything like that? Um, I'll keep adding to them when I, uh, if there's, if there is anybody that is in the comments and you're, country isn't on there please let me know and i'll add it um only thing i really want to say is just um to Bo, if you're still here like thank you for sharing your story with us um stay strong like i get the humor thing that's the that's the way i do it my whole the the humor side is because i know what it feels like to be rock bottom and I guess I use humor to make sure people don't feel like that. If I can bring a laugh and a smile, but honestly, Bo, like you, you're doing amazing. And thank you for sharing that. That that's like literally that that's it really. To be honest, it's like yeah. yes, uh, a huge thanks again to Bo Adams for coming on and sharing. Yeah. Uh, if you missed his interview, well, more of a, a story. Uh, please uh, watch the replay. Great, great guy. Happy to have met Bo on this platform uh, amongst all of you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, so we will uh, be live again next week at on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's 11 p.m. Gemma time. And that's, what, 2 o'clock where Bo's at out in Nevada. Um, so once again, thanks everybody for being here. We're going to end with the, uh, with the numbers for you mm -hmm. and, uh, we'll see you again next week. Yes. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Bye now. Thanks. Bye.